There is a tremendous amount of tech news this week. It's absolutely fantastic for anyone creating uh, content. So I want to get right to the heart of the most important things that we can talk about. And that is the all hands meeting. As, <laughs> as everyone that's been uh, following it is uh, Elon Musk going to take over Twitter. Who knows what's going to happen? But we know today at 2 p.m. that the Twitter uh, group is going to have an all hands meeting. And this really got me thinking about like, what makes a good all hands meeting and the different types of all hands meetings. So Matt, I want to propose to you, I believe there are five types of all hands meetings. And then I want to go through and figure out, maybe we can give the Twitter executives some advice. Like what should they do at today's all hands meeting? So the first I think is like the wedding all hands. That's where it's like, we've been acquired. We're like usually a small company and we're all going to be rich. Or at least we all made money. It's extremely exciting. There's all or at least this, the people talking made money. Yeah. There's like tremendous optimism everyone's getting a raise, everyone's getting vested stock options. The new company is great. In fact, you're like a savior of the new company. Usually you're going to fix you all the problems. It it's, it's a, a wedding. wedding. It's yeah. just nothing but wedding. like optimism <laughs> and it's fantastic. Right. Then of course, on the other extreme, there's a funeral. The funeral yeah. hands is unfortunately, uh, yeah. we had to let some good friends go today. We wish them well. We're sad about it, but uh, you know, the company was going through some issues and had to lay people off. So that's obviously very sad, but you know, that, that happens. Then there's like the picnic all hands where it's just like had a really good year. Everyone's doing well. Company's doing well. We could do a little bit better, but like, let's celebrate each other. Like nothing, you know, necessarily good or bad is happening. We just, we're just doing fine and let's all get together and just enjoy each other's company and usually that's where you bring like the families and the kids like oh it's just a fun time right it's kind of the picnic all hands and then there's the group therapy all hands where it's like something's changing the leader a popular leader is leaving the company potentially there was some type of scandal within the company something Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed but like we're all in this together right so it's like we're here for each other in this time of difficulty and we're gonna make it through all hands you know the, the the worst of those are when <clears throat> when HR has given us a lot to talk. True. That's true. And that's <laughs> it's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. And that's usually followed by like some additional training we're all going to have uh, to take. Yes. So that's a little group therapy. We've all been there. And then finally is the most tricky one. And I will admit that the group therapy sometimes can become the intervention all hands where it's like we went in. There's a, there a, some kind of uh, unsaid things in the room, but then somebody cracks open a topic that had been under a lid. Like it was like, we don't wait, wait, talk wait. about this in the family, yeah. but then someone's like, no, we're getting to the heart of the issue today. The heart. Yeah. Of, and then it's like yeah. real things are starting to be said and it gets very contentious. The, the, the real talk, all hands. Yeah. yeah I, Usually, you and in I, fact, it, HR often has to like leave or be like, they kind of lose control where people are like, they, hey. they have to intervene and they're like, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. And somebody, somebody says like, when says HR, like, listen, no, I'm going to ask this question. Like as they're interrupted, oh, they interrupt yeah. HR, right? In this intervention. So and then two weeks later, that person is gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there, I was like any intervention, there's usually some type of outcome. So, okay. So those are the five types of all hands meetings. I'm sure there are more, but those are the ones I can think of. So, so today, as I believe the Twitter team is, they're trying to go in for the group therapy. Like if I was coaching the executives, be like, Hey, there's no way you know anything about what Elon Musk may or may not do. Like everyone has to admit that. Like we don't there's either. no expectation that you, the executive leadership of this company, 
has any idea what's going to happen. Like, I think it's kind of a free pass, right? It's like, well, look, how could you expect anybody to read Elon Musk's mind? Like, of course, we have no idea what they're going to do. So I think they go in with group therapy, but they got to be real careful. Like, they got to keep this meeting tight. I don't think for once, like, you only take a few questions, right? And the reason you only take a few questions is you are trying to redirect that group to a happy hour, to some free food, to some early time off, like you go, you try to get everyone in and out and right out into, and even, I would even say Friday, because here in the United States, and actually we don't have the holiday in the United States, but many other places there's a holiday and it's like maybe a holiday weekend. And like, so maybe you like lean into that a little bit. Like guys, you say something like team, we've had, it's been a tough couple of days here. I think everyone's uh, doing well. I think tomorrow we should all work from home or something. You say something like that. You kind of give us, we should work from home. We should spend time with our families. Yeah, we're like, we're, we're going to give like, you some DoorDash credit to get you. Yeah. And that's lunch. how you kind of end yeah. it. You end it before someone comes in with like, you know, because there's people, I, I think that the intervention is like, you got to think there's so many Twitter employees who are like, you, you I thought we should have done X, right? Cause they'll be like, I knew we should have done this idea a million years ago. Right. Or, you should have known about this or you didn't take steps because that's the part like you, you don't want an open forum like that. Like that's not going to help anyone. So, so what, if you were to give the executives at Twitter, any advice, what, what would you be coaching them to say? Man, I think you nailed it though. I think um, you don't want to let it become just a free for all. Uh, you know, whatever is going on with, with Elon Musk, he's uh, a polarizing figure and um <laughs> You know, if you work there and this is happening to you, you know, you're like, well, crap, right? I mean, I'm sure like kind of like, you know, I'm sure Spotify employees were like that when when they gave Joe Rogan the big deal, right? You know, they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, here you go. Eat this sandwich. And you're like, what's in it? And they're like, enjoy it, you know? And and so, um, I you know, I don't really know what you do other than keep keep keeping on. You know, you, you probably... The CEO is going to give a message about like, you know, our mission hasn't changed. We're going to do this. You know, we're still working through this, but, you know, we have, you know, full confidence in our employees and, you know, nothing has changed. That's that's the mission that, you, you know, that's what the CEO is going to come out and say. And I'm sure the, uh, you know, the employees will be it's disruptive. You know, I, I don't even know if it changes that much in their day to day. Right. Because uh, I don't know who's on their board, but I'm sure it's, you know, I'm sure it's not like, you know, the greatest of folks. I'm sure there are probably other polarizing figures involved with Twitter management just because that's who they are. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe is there a Peter Thiel in there or something like that? Or, you know, um, there are probably some other characters. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, if you're there, you're there for the roller coaster. You're there for the ride, you know. And uh, if not, you know, everybody's hiring. All right. Well, the final piece of advice I want to give to all the Twitter employees, whatever you do, don't take any videos of the all hands and post them. (laughs) And most importantly, if you do, don't post them to TikTok. Software Defined Talk is brought to you by Drata. Are compliance requirements slowing down your engineering team? Meet Drata, the simplest way to achieve continuous SOC 2, ISO 27001, PCI DSS, HIPAA, and GDPR compliance through a suite of over 60 integrations from AWS to GitHub to Cloudflare. Drata puts your security and compliance on autopilot. Countless DevOps and engineering professionals from companies including Notion, Full Story, and Bamboo HR have shared how crucial it has been for expediting their software development processes and prioritizing their engineering hours. As G2's highest rated cloud compliance software, Drata empowers companies to see all of their controls, easily map them to SOC 2, ISO 27001, PCI DSS, HIPAA, 
and GDPR frameworks and gain immediate insight into overlap. Your company can start building a solid security posture from day one with Drata. Achieve and maintain compliance as the business scales and expand security assurance efforts. Say goodbye to long days of spreadsheets and screenshot evidence collection and say hello to the future of automated compliance. Listeners of Software Defined Talk can get 10% off Drata and waived implementation fees at drata.com slash partner slash STT. Again, that's drata.com slash partner slash STT. And of course, we thank Drata for sponsoring our show. All right, Matt. Well, in some news that's kind of in at least your old area, um, Puppet is being acquired by, is it Perf- Perforce? Am I saying yep. that right? Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. Perforce. It. So I was thinking to myself, because you know, there's been so much talk about, uh, as we were just mentioning, about Twitter and Elon Musk. And I would say the going consensus about Twitter there is that Twitter, if you will, the influence of Twitter is much uh, greater than the actual valuation. So there's this belief that like it's undervalued. And so it got me thinking about both Chef and Puppet, right? Yep, yep. And I was thinking about that. I kind of feel like Puppet and Chef fit this category where like the influence of these companies is much greater than I'm going to say their ultimate valuations. Of like, <laughs> like I don't know, like we don't know officially. Oh, of course, you know a little bit trombone. more. Yeah, you, sad trombone. You, you know, obviously a lot more details on Chef. I didn't see any numbers on Puppet, but like I feel like they're being acquired at like kind of the more of the private equity multiple, like for their revenue, not for necessarily their influence. And it, and it got me thinking a little bit about like, why is that, right? Because if you think I can... Th- and you tell me if you disagree with this, because I mean, you may be a little biased too, but I think of when I think of the DevOps movement and I understand, right? The, of course, disclaimer, like DevOps is not a set of products, but when I think of the companies most closely associated yeah. with the movement, I definitely think of Puppet and Chef. Like I kind of think of them as just yep, yep. kind of like two, like they're kind of from the same world, like from the, like all the people know each other. There's like some history. Maybe you can give us a quick history lesson, but that's sort of like, you know, they're the closest related to, to DevOps as companies, but they didn't go on. Like I would have lost a ton of money. Like if we would go back in time, I think it was that first wave of automation was Blade Logic and uh, Ops, uh, Opsware. Opsware. Yeah, Opsware. Opsware, right? They both got acquired, one by BMC, one by HP for like, I think a, around a little over a billion dollars, something yeah, yeah. in the order of that. And I would have like, I remember at the time, Chef and Papa coming, I was like, oh wow, these companies, they're going to do great. They're going to like make, a ton of money and I was clearly that did not happen. And, and I wonder, and I kind of go back like, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Cause you know, you lived it a little bit. So like one, do you agree with me? Like that, that they have this like more influence than they ultimately had valuation. And like, why, why do you think it is? Um, well, you know, we were just talking about sun <laughs> and, and, you know, you talk about a company that had a lot more influence than their outcome. Um, you know, I, I think what well, sun was acquired for, Five billion, I don't know, whatever. Um, but you know, the things that happened at Sun lived on in a lot of other venues. I mean, you know, MySQL alone was was you know revolutionary, and that wasn't even their thing. That was just something right. they was, you know, purchased, right? Yeah, that they purchased right before the acquisition. But I mean, all the different operating system things they did, all the different Java, of course, came out of Java. Sun. You know, I, I agree. Just, like Sun was on my know, list. I was the making network is to... the computer. Yeah, you know, I, all that. I, stuff. I, I definitely agree. Like Sun seems like another company where influence was much greater than the ultimate valuation. Although they exactly. had a run there when they were really expensive. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And- why, why, maybe you can give us the history because I can never remember the exact history. It's like 
puppet spun out of kind of out of Amazon and then chefs like what's the history well, not, of the lineage? Not, not really, like, right? So yeah. um so Luke Knees, the the founder of Puppet, um he I believe he actually worked at uh CF Engine. He was doing okay. CF Engine as a consultant and a sysadmin and he might have worked there briefly. Um but he he left and started um his own open source project and um you know was was doing Puppet Started up a, a business with Andrew Clay Schaefer, you know, mm-hmm. so he was one of the early uh, founders. I think they were college roommates. And so they, uh, you know, the, the two of them uh, were, were puppet founders. Uh, James Turnbull was there, you know, so he, you know, yeah. James is, you know, big DevOps figure as well. Um, so, you know, they, they, they were all there uh, early days and, and puppet, you know, scrappily started up and, and uh, we're doing the open source business model. And, um, and in their community, um, you know, they were picking up a lot of DevOps engineers, you know, a lot of, you know, they weren't called DevOps at the times, but, you know, a lot of people who were thinking about infrastructure as code, you know, and, Andrew uh, went and, and gave, you know, some of his influential talks and, and kind of coined the terms uh, of DevOps and, and infrastructure as code and so like. 2007 you this know, is like his uh, samurai sword talks right all that kind of stuff oh earlier yeah uh, earlier than that, that like, we're talking that? uh when he went to like the agile conferences okay got it mm-hmm. um and you know they and lisa i think you know the yep. lisa conference and, and the agile conferences were the early days of that and then um so adam jacob had a consulting company called hjk solutions and they were doing things with puppet and um they you know were uh very, very active in the puppet community, the IRC, the, you know, patches, all that fun stuff. Um, and HJK did 12 companies in 12 months. You know, that was kind of their thing. It was like they, you know, they were doing like, you know, fairly large companies, helping them automate things. And yes, you mean like implement, you're talking about implement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Implementing like, it, consulting, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, their side of the story was uh, they were having trouble reusing content. You know, it was like, you know, Puppet was not as programmatic as they would like. And so um, Adam kind of took a, a, a month off to, to you know, write his new thing. Um, you know, there, there, there was a little bit of tension between, you know, the open source business model and what HJK Solutions was doing. You know, we'll just gloss over that. And then, uh, you know, Adam uh, kind of, you know, spite wrote Chef. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you know, you know, this isn't the tool for me. And um, Puppet Chef had some early differences. Uh, you know, Puppet was licensed uh, GPL, um, sh- you know, which kind of restricts things to a single owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Chef early early chose Apache. That changed later. Puppet relicensed to Apache, uh, and um, Puppet had a more uh, centralized um, model. Um, that put more c- compute on the server and, you know, chef uh, kind of decentralized some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the yeah, idea wasn't there was some like, isn't there like some philosophical, like deterministic versus not deterministic. Oh, yeah. Like, cool, yeah. Like core to yeah. the, yeah. Like, there, there Adam were Jacob say like something like, you know, puppet wasn't deterministic and therefore it was like flawed in some way. And the puppet people would say something different or am I misremembering this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so puppet worked with a directed acyclic graph where you'd say like, here are the things I want you to do. And it'd be like, I will do them in this order. And sometimes this order, you know, they, I will do them in this order would change. 
um, right. for whatever reasons. And with chef, they got more explicit. They're like, look, do them in this order. And the chef would say like, you know, you know, you said do them in this order. I'm going to do them. And, you know, I'm going to have to rearrange these things for these reasons because, you know, this depends on that and blah, blah, blah. And it was reproducible. And, you know, I'm, this is history because puppet changed um, to, to be more chef like. Um, but, you know, that was one of the early complaints was like puppet. You might have to run multiple times to get the same results. So do you uh, think uh, this is I mean, we don't have to go way down the weeds here. But like, I guess ultimately, do you think this branching like if this does if they don't branch, if somehow like pup, let's just say puppets open to the Adam Jacob world a little bit, or like they incorporate it, like they kind of all stay within the same family, the same branch, right? There's some way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, don't, if they like, hadn't. Yeah. If they, they don't diverge. The like does the entire pie get like exponentially bigger? Because then it's sort of like, again, we always acknowledge DevOps is not a set of tools, but then you kind of have everybody at puppets sort of like both kind of leading both charges, right? You have the Schaefer, samurai swords you know giving the talks you know maybe john willis is hired in there you know and he's they're out there giving that digital transformation toss and the tools are sort of just like this becomes the de facto tool and there's really just one if, if you want to be in the cool club right you definitely use whatever that would have become the puppet chef yeah, yeah. amorphous thing like do you think if you go back in time is like does that make one does the movement get bigger and then two does everyone just in this little world make a lot more money that's a good question. Um, I, I I think I think there were some fundamental. There were both some like personality differences and mm-hmm. some technology differences. And I think, you know, I, obviously I'm biased. I was at Chef, you know, so right. I, I think I think Chef did some things that um, needed to be done. You know, I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it made the pie bigger. And I, and you know, maybe, maybe puppet would have been larger without chef. I don't know, but right. I, I think, um, you know, in the end, uh, there needed to be more choices. You know, I, I think, I, I think, I think having some variety was good. You know, I, I think, I think Azure makes AWS better. Right. Sure, I think sure. I, 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 that's and kind to be of fair now, we're like leaving out people like there's Ansible and there's a bunch of other people that I don't want to like gloss yeah. over that. Right. I mean, there's, and, and, there's, and Ansible mm-hmm. came in later from a guy who had worked at Puppet. Right. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so like there there was uh, Ansible came in later and um, and and like, you know, Puppet had their own DSL. Chef had Ruby and and, you know. Puppet was Ruby under the covers, but they tried to keep you away from that. And Chef right. embraced it. And um, Ansible was Python, which you know was probably uh, more accessible. I guess I don't know. I, I love Ruby, but um, I yeah, I'm, I'm I'm willing to agree that Python's a more popular language. Uh, <laughs> and, and and Ansible didn't ask as much change. They were kind of like you know, hey, you don't have to automate everything. You can just automate a little bit of stuff if you. If you want to migrate your, you know, bash commands via SSH to Ansible, we're cool with that. And, you know, Puppet was more, you know, um, was less inclined to let you do that. And and Chef was the least inclined to let you do that. They were, you know, Chef, Chef was a little more ivory tower about things. We're like, you know, hey, you know, you need to do things the right way because those other ways suck. You know, and <laughs> they might not suck for you today. But when you get to the scale of, you know, thousands of nodes, they're going to suck for you. And most people don't get to thousands of nodes, right? right. And so Ansible is a great solution for small deployments. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, for the longest time, I, you know, I'm 
not going to, I don't know how big the largest deployments of puppet got, but for chef, we were always like, you know, if you've got a large install, you know, you're going to use chef. And until like Kubernetes and Mesos came on the scene, like anybody with more than a hundred thousand nodes was using chef. And you're like, whoa, a hundred thousand nodes. It's like there are chef customers out there with more than a million, you know, and they're, there's Facebook too. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you how big they are, but, but like, I mean, so, so, so chef did something right on the scaling side. Yeah, no, well, um, I think, but I think that's what we get at. It's like inside of all of this, like, and kind of back to the original premise here is like, like the influence of these companies is, it's just profound. Right. I mean, oh, I yeah. just think yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. and that's why it's, you know, and I, I would say, so I guess it's like looking forward a little bit, like, I feel like Ansible ended up in like the right home. Like I think Ansible right ultimately got bought by Red Hat. Yeah, feels, yeah. I mean that feels like a like the right place. And of course now uh, some of the puppet crew, I guess Schaefer, I don't know, I'm sure others are over there, kind of running. So I guess there's some DNA of. But uh, I, I, I think they're of, really of it disconnected there. from from that. I don't think you know when I talk with with you know I talk with some of the folks is like you know there's not a big push from red hat to like oh you could be all in on ansible they're just kind of like you know make sure you buy some rel and some open shift <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is the part i think that's missed though right is because like, i i remember being at uh chef comp with you right obviously you were there and like like it had like chef Comp had like a very and i don't know the public conference maybe it also did i imagine it did but like i just didn't go to that one so it's like like ChefCom had like a real, like, you know what the kids say, like a real vibe. Like it had like a mm-hmm. different vibe. Like it was very much around like people trying to promote these ideas about DevOps and like the products and stuff were really, I mean, people always say this at conferences and it's usually not true, but the products and stuff were really in the in the, uh, in the background of ChefConf, right? Like you had the DJ from Portland, you had Cap One yeah. and a lot yeah, of customers yeah, yeah. talking and then there are a lot of fun parties. You had Nathan giving everybody hugs, right? And it was just like, we're here, like we're, we believe in this. So I always think it, it was a it good was a vibe. Will. It was a community. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was just a really good vibe. And I always think that's like the influence that people missed. It was like that was the place. And I'm not saying there aren't other conferences like that. I'm sure there are. Most of I haven't been to many of them, but like I'm sure they exist. I'm 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 still um, looking. But, you know, but I always feel like that's like the missing, like, I don't know, like, you know, I remember, and then of course, like Adam Jacob would take like the, the picture, like he'd get in front of the crowd and like he put his hands around some people and it'd be like a big, you know, community type picture. And, and I always thought like, I don't know how to quantify this, but there's like, this is valuable. This is really valuable. Like, I just remember being there like, oh, this is, this is not, um, I won't name any other conference. I'll just say, this is not a big <laughs> company conference I've been to before, right? Where everyone's yeah. just like all the blue blazers and I, i've been to a lot of, like, of conferences and it's just not the same know, right and, I, and nothing, that's why i was, was wondering like yeah it's like why so i guess this is my thing it's like you know where i guess we'll talk about puppet and chef like they both kind of went this private equity route I'm, i know those companies aren't necessarily but that's equity, the thing like but like somebody yeah, else like there's a real puppet. missed opportunity here so that's what i'm saying it's like it's somebody should have stepped right? in and i have some ideas and and said, just like Elon Musk is, is maybe going to buy Twitter for the influence or just like Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post because it's like it's just like an influence kind of thing. Like he you know, wants there to be journalism like the Washington Post. Or, like, or, or Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, yeah well, that's the negative one. But, yeah, I was going to mention that. But anyway, but my point is like it just feels like there's missed opportunity. Like why? Like why did this not happen? Like it feels like like it should have gone to a, a numerous people. So the ones I was thinking about, it was like, for the upstarts, I think a Cloudflare, a Linode, or Twilio, like trying to like bring that community in and kind of like keep that going. I think that would be like an interesting kind of challenger strategy. And then, of course, AWS, Azure, 
and um, GCP, like I, it feels like they would have benefited a lot from like kind of like keeping this community together. But of course, that didn't happen. So, like, do you have any reasons like why? Why, like, why are people it? not thinking that way? Well, so so the kind of the the backstory on some of the chef acquisition stuff is you know VC um, hit their timetables, right? You know, you got to mm-hmm. get your money it's back. Like ten years, got to get yeah. the money out. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And so so chef started you know going on the market uh, and COVID hit, and so they went from having you know. <laughs> X number of suitors to an order of magnitude fewer suitors. And, um, you know, they ended up uh, with progress and, you know, progress, uh, not private equity, despite what most people think. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually a public company, but, uh, and, you know, I'm, it, it, let's just say it wasn't a great fit. Uh, I think there are probably about 20. Yeah. And to be fair, the companies, they're looking at them. They bought them for the revenue stream and yeah, yeah. kind of keep it going. So they, they are using it more. And, like and somewhere they've got cow. a spreadsheet that justifies. Yeah, and that's how and, they valued it. And like Chef Conf's not on that spreadsheet. They're not like, no. they're not feeling the vibe. They're not, they're, the vibe is zero. It's zeroed out there. They're like, nobody feels that. Because like, the only way to get it, like you need someone kind of forward thinking in the companies. Like, hey, we're getting more of this. And you mentioned a bunch. Like, I think when Sunbotch Oracle, like you named all the things, Solaris, Java, and there was, there was a real value. But I think you could say the same thing, Microsoft buying GitHub. Like it feels like that's I, giving a lot know, of goodwill GitHub, beyond yeah. just revenue. I, I, I think I think Microsoft has done a pretty good job with GitHub. You know, the like I, I, I've talked to folks at GitHub. They're, they're still fairly hands-off. They probably have to use Teams. But, you know, other than that, it's uh, – they, I don't think Microsoft has disrupted, you know, what GitHub had or has or whatever um, too badly. But – but yeah, I, I I don't know Perforce. Um, I did find that they were one of the uh, suitors uh, for Chef, um, but uh, you know who knows. I I don't know anything more than that. You know, were were they? Because what happened was when when COVID hit, like everyone tightened up their pocketbooks and just said, you know, we're not doing acquisitions, and that's right. that's what happened to Chef, right? You know, they were trying to sell in <laughs> March of twenty twenty. <laughs> well, I don't know, Puppet. I mean, I guess we don't know the numbers, but I don't. I mean, just outwardly, kind of the context of this conversation, I think Pup, Puppet's ending up in a similar place. Like, it would be interesting if Puppet was bought by any of the people I just mentioned. I'd be like, wow, that's they're like that. They're really trying to build on that. They're trying. They see the influence. There's an influence, um, if you will, multiple that's being applied that they're going to use. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, I'm sure the investment bankers. Not like the investment bankers are stupid. Like, I'm sure they went to all of these companies I've just mentioned, right? And like gave them the pitch book. Now, I bet mm-hmm. you they didn't have the the vibe slide. I, I think that needs to go in and all the investment banker slides. Like what about the vibe? And just, just a picture of colors. That's all you would have on it. It'd be great. <laughs> um, and you would just like, you know, just and just say some stuff. But uh, I don't know. So I guess maybe to wrap this up. I, I, I mean, there, there, uh-huh. is, there is a semi-natural fit. I mean, Perforce is uh, source control. You know, and they are a bit of a, a, a niche player. I, I know, uh, you know, Jay Paul Reed loves them, but um, they are still a bit of a, a, a niche player. You know, they they own a lot of the gaming space, um, which Chef did really well in the gaming space because of the Windows support. But that's a different thing. Um, you know, they're popular with people who have to manage version binaries. Um, but you know, but their their space has probably been decreasing you know source control is super sticky and so they're probably they're moving into an adjacent space they're like hey if we do this devops thing 
you know, we can, you know, tie that to our infrastructure as code. There's, there's a fairly natural fit there. They could go down some sort of GitLab path and, and, you know, try to have a couple different pillars out of their stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I wish them luck. I think, you know, it's, it's a better fit than, than some. <laughs> well, fair enough. I don't know. You're, you're more optimistic. Of course, we wish everyone at Puppet well, but I'm just saying this. I feel like the, everyone kind of killed the vibe there. The vibe, the vibe got killed a little bit, but that's all right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, speaking of killing the vibe, I wanted to get your take on this other <laughs> uh, thing that's happening a lot. So I don't know. This is maybe a hyper-local story but, uh, here in Austin, Texas, is that uh, Tomo Bravo is going to take cybersecurity firm SailPoint, um, which I sort of you know, not didn't work at, but I worked with some people that were at Funny Enough. We were at Sun working on a different company, Wayside. But anyway, they're going to take them private for six, um, this was a 6.1 6. 6. billion. 1, yeah. And so what's weird about this to me is like, this is the second time, right? So Tomo Bravo originally bought SailPoint from the venture capitalists, you know, got it all fixed up, whatever, took it public. And so now it's been public for, I don't know, a few years, like multiple years. And now they're taking it private again. And this is very similar to something that happened also here in Austin, SolarWinds. SolarWinds was a company I actually did spend a little time with, former sponsor. So hopefully they're doing well. Um, but of course, we know the story there. It's like they uh, were bought by private equity. They got private equity uh, infusion of cash. They went public. A few years went by. Then they went uh, private again. And then they were taking back public. So I'm calling this like the private equity. Go- yeah, yeah. So like to me, it doesn't, I don't think of this as like a good thing in any way. Like if you're constantly a company going in and out of the public market, it sort of feels like, like maybe just the investment bankers are making money, but like nobody, like, like is it valuing the customer or the products or even the employees? Like, who, like why, why is this happening? I guess, Matt, like, tell me why this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have, have Matt explain <laughs> financial engineering to you. I mean, obviously what happens is you have a company, uh, you know, Sailpoint, Barracuda, whoever it is, who they're making money. You know, they have a, a fairly steady revenue stream. They probably have attractive ARR, um, but they probably don't have a ton of growth. And 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 the stock market, they're like they want to see you know up and to the right. And you know, you're like, oh, you only make you know four hundred million a year. You know, we want four forty. We want four eighty. You know, we want to see that. And you're like. Uh, maybe we're just good with what we have, you know, and most people, you know, could learn to be happy with that. But, you know, the stock market punishes stability. <laughs> but and, I, guess this is, I feel like sometimes like these things, like, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, they, they're just treating like the public investors as stupid. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, totally. I, I was I, getting there. I was getting. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to because I read through the sale point one. And I mean, I know a little bit about this market just because I worked in it for a little bit, but like, it seems pretty straightforward. It's like, okay. They're trying to convert the majority of their business to SaaS, right? They're trying to move it online. looks like they have like 50%, you know, is there. And it's like, I don't think it's like that hard for us to understand. It's like, well, we need to convert the rest of the customers over. We want to move to a cloud-based model. Mm-hmm, It'll mm-hmm. take us a couple of years. Um, but like when we get there, this is what we'll have. Like I like I just did it. I just did the entire investor uh, yeah, uh, relations yeah. pre- presentation. And, 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 have some and, charts. and, and, and PE is like, you know, the stock market's not going to like that. And but, you know, I just, but we, that's the part I disagree with. I'm like, I don't understand like why like we can't just consume that as investors. Like, why do you need to be like if you if you have conviction? Quarterly. Yeah, because it's quarterly. You ha- because but if you have conviction in what you're doing, right? It's like really you have to buy out all the share. Like this is what you're saying. It's like you, Mister Shareholder, you are not smart enough to see our vision. Yeah. I'm going to give you money so you go away. I'm going to go do work 
like in the back office, like away from you. Then I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to ask you to pay double for the, the thing that you, that I said you weren't smart enough to hold on to. And you're going to do it. And it's like, I just feel like that's like, see, it's, see, that's a, the problem. it's a that, very like negative, like pretense to me. But, but, but you just said, you know, you, the, you, you know, you, Mr. Investor, two thirds of trades happened are, are, um, are, uh, compute, right? They're, they're all algorithmic, right? So, so there's no like person to convince here. There's some, uh, you know, software is watching these things and making stupid decisions on day trading schedules or, or, or shorter. And, and then you have, you know, CEOs and, and executives who are, they're rewarded quarterly. So all they need to do is goose that price a bit and they're going to make a, a ton of bank. And, and, you know, we see this again and again, they make short-term decisions that are good for the stock price, but bad for the health of the long-term company. And so the, the, the rosy happy side of private equity is like, look, we're going to take that stress off you. You know, you don't have to make these these short term decisions We're, we we see you have a valuable company here. We can straighten it up. We can make good returns for for ourselves. You know, we can make 10 percent returns, which is great for our investors, 15 percent, whatever. You know, the stock market might not like that, but we like that. And, you know, we can do that. But then they know that like, you know, that, and that's the rosy side. They're like, hey, we're taking you private to take the stress off you and we'll just have a healthy company and we'll be like, you know, SAP. Uh, they're, they're private, right? Um, or, or SAS, you know, right. you know, one of these like companies that just prints money and right. private and, you know, but then of course, you know, the private equity guys are like, you know, the, the, the dark side is they're like, and those chumps in the stock market, they'll buy it again when we take it public again. And, you know, they're like, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And, and so like, you know, it's this yin and yang or, you know, your yo-yo of, you know, oh yeah, we're doing a good thing for you. And then they're like, and those chumps in the stock market will buy this up again. And, and so that, that's what's happening. And I don't know. It, it sucks. Uh, I don't know. It just feels, I guess it feels both depressing, but it also like to me, just as some, I guess just watching it and it's more like, you know, not that I'm buying lots of like individual stocks by any uh, means, yeah. not that I'm like running some, you know, hedge fund, but I just sort of like, if I was, if someone came to me, if I was the hedge fund manager and they're like, and they're pitching me the next IPO, I'm just telling them like, no. Like I'm done. Like I don't like you're leaving me out oh, but, of the but, growth. But, but that's the thing, you know. And like, I don't want. I was like, like, go away. Like I don't. I would just be. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go invest my money with Okta or uh, Okta or somebody else. Whereas, like, if I believe in a day management, I was like, I don't think you have it because you. Every three years, you come to me and you tell me you have to leave again. Like, what's the point? Like, I, I, I you know, and I, I'll tell you but, this. But, this but that's other, the thing. It's like you know, you know, they'll, they'll go public, and three years later, they'll go private again, and you'll get right. Your stock well, juiced. I would just say so on the debt management front. This is like we're way off the weeds. But I just be like, hey, I just avoid all the sale point stuff. Go if you care about it, go uh, uh, invest in or buy uh, Clear Sky because a bunch of sale point people over there going to reimplement the workflows on ServiceNow, and that's going to be the future. That's just going to be they're going to do it from <laughs> like if they're going to do it from the ground up the right way. Like just go work, just go work there, buy them. Like I don't know all this nonsense of like taking you public bringing you private is like i don't know that, that would be at, at the uh, software defined talk hedge funds we we, we just immediately send them away we're like no we're like we're this done. smells like shenanigans no yeah it is sounds like you don't really have anything sounds like you have financial engineering go go down the street go see someone else for that we're, we're done with you so all right well that's enough about private equity and then um maybe finally here i just wanted you know we talk all the time about um surveys and cloud migration i think kote next week he'll be back next week we'll talk about I think he did a, a recent one uh, about Kubernetes. But, you know, the thing we always see in these surveys, I think we, we talked about was something like 
CIOs are predicting um, they're going to move 50% uh, of their uh, IT to the cloud next year, right? And then, of course, we see uh, Andy Jassy, uh, well, formerly Andy Jassy, now, uh, you know, the new leader CEO. They'll say at the next thing, it's like, oh, early innings, we're only 5% to the cloud. And and um, and I always think of like, the, the dichotomy there is very interesting. But I found this old uh, post somebody put in the Slack and it was about um, Netflix migration to AWS. So there's actually a post written by their VP of engineering or SVP of engineering like a while ago. This is a pretty dated. And it basically says it took seven years. So he basically dates it. He's kind of writing out like a, a post like today, everything, all the data centers are closed. And so, so I think to myself, like, that is just a great, because it's also, you can cite it on the internet. You can go see where someone said seven years. The other popular ones that I, I've heard about, I feel like Cap One has come on record and said it took them about 10 years. Uh, yeah. I don't, I can't find the exact thing, but I've seen a presentation, I think funny enough at ChefConf. I think, I think they said something like that. And I just think this is like, it's really important. And I just think, I think everyone should internalize these things. It's like, if you start now and you're a relatively large enterprise and you think you have comparable talent as Netflix, right? You're looking at a seven-year project or a cap one. Like yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're looking at a 10-year project. And I think even Amazon, the other one that I can never find exactly, but I think it took about Amazon like 10 years to get off Oracle. And they hated Oracle. <laughs> they like, they yeah, literally hated yeah. Oracle. They were actively running campaigns to get their customers, but it still took them 10 years. So I just feel like this is like sort of like sanity corner, I'm going to call it. It's like even the companies that we consider the absolute best when you really probe into it. I mean, these are long well, projects yeah. and I know no one wants to hear that. And I guess it's sort of like part of my day job leaking into it, but I'm like, it's just better to say it up front. Like it's just so much better to say it up but front. Nobody, it nobody wants the, the gloom and doom. I mean, so, so you've got, you know, 50% of them are like, or, you know, they're like 50% of our workloads will move to the cloud next year. Like, sure. You know, and you pat them on the head. And, and then of course, you know, that's, that's because, you know, these, you know, the CIOs are, are brought in to like, you know, hey, I'm here to, you know, change things up. And, you know, they're there for three years. Right. That's that's kind of the job is, you know, they, they rotate out the CIOs because uh, they're guns for hire and and, uh, you know, they, they've got their new transformation project. And then, of course, you know, Andy Jassy or whoever's running AWS at the time is, is going to say, like, well, wait, it's early innings. It's only 5% because that, <laughs> that, that shows that that's signaling, you know, the same stupid stock market that, Hey, you know, we're going to continue to make a ridiculous amount of money and everyone's coming, you know, this is, you know, we're going to be making money forever. And, you know, so they're, they're enabling this, you know, they, they can turn around and say, look, 50% are coming next year at the same time, knowing they're like, no, it's not going to be 50%. It's going to be like 10 and, you know, they're going to drag this out, but you know, 10%, year over year, seven years, we're going to get closer to 50%, right? Um, and so that's, <laughs> you know, it, it's the CIOs have to come in and be overly optimistic. And, you know, Jassy and whoever has to be, I, I think it's pessimistic, you know, to say, oh, it's only 5%, right? Because they, 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 it's not, it's purposely pessimistic to say, you know, oh, it's going to get a lot bigger. You know, it's, it's small now. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's small now. So, uh, I, I think that's where we are with that. It's yeah. Well, I think it's it's just I guess the human need here a little bit. Now you know you're seeing a lot this week with Elon Musk. It's like the you know kind of the hero's journey. He, like Elon Musk is the only one. He's the smartest one. He's done everything. Oh, He's created Tesla. And I think the same thing that like the CIOs like fall in this trap. It's like you know they all feel like they have to be the one that solved the problems. But like really like if you think about any of the migrations I mentioned, Netflix, Seven, 
cap 110, you know, the AWS 10. It's like really what it was, was uh, a large group of people over a long period of time. Some came and went, right? Slowly worked at a problem and slowly kind of chipped away and got yeah. it, you know, and, and because, of, and some of them did, you know, rehost, we call lift and shift and some of them re-architected applications and some of the applications failed and some of it didn't work. Right. But that's like the real story. The real story is like all these groups slowly worked at it. They learned some stuff, they figured it out. And then over a long period of time, right. They ultimately got to the goal that they wanted. And it's just like, that is a boring story, right? There's no hero. <laughs> Of course, like a that lot of people important. came and went, right? Yeah. Like there isn't there just a lot one of, person. Like some people, people just like support. left, like didn't care about the project anymore. And it's like, so I get it. Like no one like wants to like hear that boring story. But I just think sometimes when you like, and I guess maybe the fable there, or just like the end point of that is like, hey, over long periods of time, small groups working together can ultimately deliver. Like I always think of like, you know, in our lifetime or working lifetimes rather, like banking. Like, you know, you think about when you graduated from college, you probably still had to write checks and send them in paper to uh, to pay a bill. And it's like now, right, however many years later, like the banking industry is awesome. Like you think about like we pay, we don't have to do anything. Everything's online. It all just happens. And it's like there wasn't one person that did that. It was like a group of like hundreds of <laughs> thousands of people. And it's super boring. I get it. It's super boring. But the banking system, it's great, man. It's really improved a lot. Of course, we'll yes, still have the three days for ACH <laughs> and we're never going to get rid of that. But at least I don't have to write these paper checks anymore. And that's been in my own working lifetime. So there's an example of something good that happened. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, Matt. Uh, listener feedback. We don't really have much listener feedback this week. I've been falling down on the job. I haven't been promoting our stickers uh, enough. So if you would like a laptop sticker, that, uh, that as we found, many different uses for them, um, putting them on bikes and many other things. Here's what you have to do. Matt, do you know what you have to do? You sh- Matt, you tell them what they have to do. How do they get a sticker? Um, well, you, you call up Brandon on his home phone no. number. Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. Try again, Matt. No, 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 no. You just send yourself a, 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 an email uh, to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Make sure you include your postal address. You know, we like to get emails, but uh, if you don't send your postal address, we won't mail you a, a sticker or, you know, a couple stickers. And uh, Brandon's hit, uh, what are you on, six continents? Still, yeah, still we're all looking over. for Antarctica. Antarctica is going to be a tough get, but like if somebody there is listening, one, thank you. I don't know yeah, what yeah. you're like. It seems like you're probably pretty bored. But hey, man, okay, got a lot of people there. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know. I'm sure there's a postal address somewhere. So the other thing I just quick uh, plug here. So if you got like uh, an event, a product, a service, uh, I don't know, a podcast you want to promote, you, we, we actually sell ads here. So just send me an email at ads at softwaredefinedtalk.com and Happy to talk to all your marketing people, your performance marketing people. We have all the stuff. We have all the the presentations. So if if you're listening to this and you think other people should hear about the stuff you're working on, them email your marketing people and tell them to email us, and we'll we'll find a way to do ads. So uh, conferences, Matt. This is what's going on. Myself and our good friend JJ are going to be at that conference in Texas. So that's uh, May 23rd through the 26th. There's a bunch of discount codes there. JJ and I have yet to decide exactly what we're going to do, but it's going to be awesome. Whatever it is, I know it's going to be awesome. So that's why you should go. It's the only reason you should go, but you should also go and see all the other that presentations. There's a bunch of DevOps days. There's DevOps days, Austin. Matt, were you at the first DevOps days, Austin, like way back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was one of the organizers. All right. So I think they're doing their 10-year anniversary. I think they're doing like a new format. It's going to be some type of, uh, that'll have a good vibe. I predict that that will have a good vibe. It'll be a lot of like. we got a good vibe going. 
Yeah. There's also DevOps Stage Chicago. I bet you know who'll be there. We didn't talk about him on the show. But if you listen, if you watch this on YouTube, you heard a little talk about Maddie Stratton. I bet Maddie Stratton is at DevOps. Oh, of course. Chicago. I think, he's I think he'll be there. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of other uh, shows that you should check out. So if you want to see anything that I just mentioned, just look at the show notes, which is right now in your podcast player, or you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash 353, and you can see all of these show notes. Now, having said all of that, Matt, what is your recommendation this week? Uh, I've got a pair of recommendations. Um, the the first is a YouTube video uh, that I saw um, that, you know, it, it was just, it, it's always nice to have something that kind of changes the way you've thought about things. And so uh, this one's called To Scale. It's a short five, six minute video um, about the scale of our uh, solar system and just how big the planets are. And, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm not going to, say too much more about it, but just watch it. It's uh, it's only like five or six minutes. Uh, if you like, you know, science and stuff and astronomy, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then the, the second is uh, um, I've recommended this podcast multiple times. It's called the memory palace. Uh, it's just a short historical story, uh, usually about a person or something. Um, and this episode is called combinations and it's about a uh, uh, spoiler. Uh, you know, a, a guy who uh, affected uh, every single thing on Earth. So that's kind of cool. Um, so check it out. Wow. And, uh, wow. That's yeah, quite, exactly. That's quite the tease. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to like. Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, listen to that. And uh, uh, again, it's, uh, you know, six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, Memory Palaces is nice and short. And uh, uh, I love that podcast. So um, those are my recommendations this week. All right. I like I like both of those. Those are excellent recommendations. All right. Matt, did you watch Severance yet? Are you caught up? Did you no, watch no, no, no. I what's is that on HBO or H, no? It's Apple TV Plus. It's part of the default I, uh, lifestyle. I, 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 I uh, no, it's, click, it's my, my click uh, on the ninety day free trial. You bought five iPhones. <laughs> they're giving it away for you, man. Just just get in there and watch it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm waiting. You know, when the new Ted Lasso comes in, I'll, I'll binge them and and uh, you know I'll do my my three months of Apple for the year and then I'll be done. All right. Well, good. Well, while you're when you have it for three months, I I you know. I love Severance start to finish. I was a little worried, you know, as I get a little worried about these, uh, these shows, like, are they going to really land it? But I'll say this, I think Severance, the season, uh, the season finale delivered. I, I will even go so far as to say, I was kind of like checking myself. I was listening to some of the other like prestige podcasts and stuff like that and trying to use the correct words, but like the fine, the finale had excellent pacing. Like I definitely think it's, it's a TV sh- It's probably the, just as an episode, it's definitely going to put it on here in the last three years. It's the best TV sh- episode I've seen because it's just wow. something that like keeps you glued. So I was trying to get um, a good friend of the show, uh, Mr. Chippy, of course, like, you know, he's our resident like film expert. And I, and of course he hasn't even started this, which I was just unbelievable. I just like, couldn't believe it because I was, I was trying, I wanted to, you know, use, he, I'm going to pick he his brain. He didn't want to get, he didn't want to get losted. Yeah. That's the whole thing. So it's safe. I can say that. the other thing about it is like it ends uh, obviously it doesn't wrap up. There's going to be a couple more seasons. So I've done a little research or actually other people have done research. I just read it. So it sounds like the creator has like got two more seasons in mind. So it sounds like when they started this show, there was an arc of three seasons and it looks like they're going to make the arc. Cause I think at this point, that's what we need. We need full commitment that when you start something, right. That like, this isn't like a migration. I need you thinking, I need you all the way through. I need you to have an ending in mind. We cannot have another lost situation. That's eight years of our lives None of us are getting back. And other people were defending Lost recently because of Severance. That's un- it's indefensible. The Lost 
ending is indefensible. So having said all that, I feel I feel good that the Severance creator has an See, arc in you, mind. You, you, you probably felt in, good after season one, season two. Plus. No, man, listen, I can't. This can't happen again. <laughs> this can't happen again. So I've done looked at it. So that's why I feel like it's okay to watch Severance. I actually think if you can binge it, um, it'll be real. It's very bingeable. So hopefully yeah, yeah, yeah. people uh, enjoy it. Now I'll just give the other, uh, you know, because I always feel like equal time. Uh, I, of course, I've talked about the show multiple times, many times. So I did uh, try to get my wife into it, like, you know, about 40 minutes into the first one. She's like, ah, oh, this isn't my thing. And I'm just like, what? But anyway, so so there's always two sides. Maybe if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. The other recommendation I wanted to make this week is that I, Chris Dixon uh, was interviewed on The Verge. I guess it's called The uh, Decoder, which is one of The Verge cast po- podcast by uh, Neelai Patel. And I think it was an excellent interview because... Chris Dixon is probably the biggest bull as part of Web3. And Neil Libertel openly, he's openly skeptical about it. But I, and he's a lawyer by trade, just an excellent interview because he does a great job of asking. And I wish I could do this. Uh, someone that likes, likes to like part time interview people for like podcasts, but he's very calm and he just keeps you on point. Like Chris Dixon's really good at like, talking fast, coming across extremely intelligent and like using tangents. But like Neil Patel, like just like a lawyer, just like, I'm glad you said all of that, but now please answer this question. And I thought it was excellent. Like if you're into crypto or you're skeptical of crypto, I highly recommend it. I wish I had the skills to ask the kind of questions that Neil Patel did of Chris. And I think they did a great job of kind of like showing some of the, the limits of Chris, Chris Dixon's thinking. So, so I can't recommend that episode much. If you're into Web3, you should check that out. All right. So lots of recommendations. Kote wasn't here, but don't worry. He'll be back. Uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, healed and ready to talk about probably his new survey next week or something um, even more interesting than that. <laughs> and of course, if you want to uh, subscribe to Software Defined Talk, I could do is go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and please go ahead and subscribe and then tell all your friends about the show. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Matt, you've had quite the the pre-show for everyone that's been watching you uh, so far. Matt's Ooh. like this. They really, we should really make this like what's Matt up to? So this morning was uh, uh, initially you started the day by picking up dog poop out of mm, opening opening your door, right? Yeah, and yeah. You rolled into uh, working on water damage. Is that? And it is uh, for those listening. Uh, it's uh, seven a.m. Uh, Australia time, right? Am I doing? Yeah, this, I, am I, I, I doing I like, that all right. Yeah, yeah, it's. It, I like to start my day with a little, uh, you know, picking up some dog poop, and uh, uh, not only did he poop, he peed inside on a on a screen door, which means you know you have to wash the door, the track. Oh God! For okay, for the chat room here, does anybody know what job Corey Quinn almost took before starting his his company? Well, like, I don't do you have any Jeopardy music? Do, 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 do. See if anyone in the chat knows. Because you'd have to really be listening to a lot of different podcasts. Yeah. All right. I uh, see no one cares and no one's even like registering an answer. I'll give you the answer. On the recent interview that he did with your friend, Matt Stratton or Matty Stratton, right? Yeah. You know, I listened to that one. So he said in that inter- interview that he and Matty were both up for the job at PagerDuty. That Matt really? ultimately got. Yes, this is in the uh, the recent. I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to that one. And that, um, you know, and then they kind of tell the typical stories like, oh, this is so great. It worked out so great that I didn't get the job because I went on to start um, Duckbell Group, right? And, you know, 
nothing but success. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, in, in retrospect, it's like, sure. You know I mean? And then of course now, uh, since then, Maddie's left Pager Duty. Uh, he's Hat. gone to Red Hat and then he went to um, Kimberly is now. He's another place now. So, so Blimey. in the end, I guess maybe none of, I don't know. Did any, maybe in the end, it just worked out for everyone. So, so there you have it. All right. Well, that was, that was some trivia no one really cared about. I'll work on uh, new trivia questions next week. <laughs>